welcome back to the She Illuminates the World podcast. I'm Jocelyn, and today I am here with Sarah Hardy Walsh, and we are going to be chatting about motherhood and resilience and building the foundation so that you can mother from a place of calm and confidence. So Sarah, thank you so much for being here with me today. I would love to just get us started by having you share a little bit of your background, your story, and how you got to the work that you're doing right now. Sure, sure. Thank you so, so much for having me with you, Jocelyn. Um, So my background, my education background, I'm trained as a naturopathic doctor and board certified lactation consultant. And this work that I'm doing now really came through my own experience of early motherhood. Um, I I can still recall very, very vividly, um, you know, collecting all of the information I possibly could about infant sleep and feeding and all of the mothering topics possible. And there's so much information available. Um, And I found even with my healthcare background that I had a really hard time like sorting through like what was truth, what was based on good quality research, what was just somebody's random opinion, you know, Um, so that's kind of sorting through became really overwhelming. And what I realized was, was that not only did I need good quality information, but I also really needed to nurture and cultivate my connection with my inner wisdom so that I could take that information in and ask like, what's right for me? What's right for my son? And how are we going to approach this? Because there are just so many possibilities. And so that kind of birthed the first iteration of this work and focusing on what I called informed intuitive mothering. So that piece around being informed and having that good quality information, but also that connection with intuition and inner wisdom. Um, But it's really, really hard to access that and do that when we are overwhelmed and exhausted and uncertain and feeling really alone or um, not well supported. And so um, I was kind of contemplating like, how, how can we work with this? How can I really truly support mothers in creating that foundation so that they can approach mothering from that in, informed intuitive way? And I came across Um, or I should say, I I take a lot of my cues from nature. I always have. I think that's part of what brought me into naturopathic medicine in the first place. Um, And I came across magically, I'm going to say, a few pieces of research. They were looking at uh, the resilience of trees 
in urban areas after major storms. So with all of the major mm. storms that have been happening in North America in recent years, it was pieces of research that urban farmers were looking at saying like, what made these trees survive? And what, you know, what prevented these trees from, from maintaining themselves through the storm? And it was so cool to look at. So like <laughs> the, the trees that were more deeply and widely rooted survived better. The wow. trees that had some flexibility and responsiveness in their branches and their trunks. So like thinking like high winds from hurricanes and that kind of thing, when they had that flexibility and responsiveness, they survived better when trees were in diverse communities. So when there were trees together in varying ages and stages of life and varying types of trees, they survived better in those big storms than the ones that were just like out on their own. Mm -hmm. And in the urban areas, those trees that were tended to and cared for. So, you know, their dying branches were clipped away and they were pruned and trimmed when they were tended to and cared for, they survived better than those counterparts that were just kind of growing on their own kind of wild and that sort of thing. And so that really prompted me to look at like what kind of practices, what kind of um, approaches can we integrate into supporting and caring for mothers so that they're feeling more deeply and widely rooted so that they're feeling more flexible and responsive when it comes to what life is tossing them. When, you know, how can we support them in connecting with community and feeling tended to and cared for? Um, and as I was exploring that, I also came to realize that our culture teaches us the opposite of these things. Our culture says, stay in your head, don't root down. Our culture says, be rigid and certain and, you know, that very kind of black and white structure, don't be flexible and responsive. Our culture says, you're on your own, you have to do this all yourself. Um, if you can't figure it out and you have to ask for help, you're supposed to feel guilt and shame. And so it, it was a really interesting um, duality between these lessons from nature and these lessons that all of us are receiving both as women and as mothers in our culture. So Wow. And I think what's so fascinating is the, the tree analogy. And that comes up all the time, like from the family tree to the roots. And as you were saying that, I remember um, at one point when I was doing therapy, my therapist telling me like, it's important to have like a trunk that's very sturdy and just ingrained in your values and then be able to kind of sway back and forth, like have the leaves move back and forth. And so you're able to listen to other people and be resilient, mm -hmm. um, rather than like, no, 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 no. Um, and then getting really frustrated and angry, but being able to really like keep that here is my truth. Yeah. Um, and I can also yeah. like be flexible too. So mm -hmm. I remember that came up then. And it just, I mean, I know women were born in nature and we're part of nature, but we're so disconnected by the culture, which is exactly what you said. Yeah. Yeah. And that, that reminds me too, Jocelyn, I can remember a 
an episode that I had just a few years ago um, of like so much energy focused in my head. I was studying for my lactation board exams. We had a lot going on in family, all of these kinds of things. And my body literally put me on the floor. Like you're not rooted. Everything is up high. It made me feel so dizzy. I had to lay down on the floor mm-hmm. to oh, like wow. settle everything and just really physically be connected with the floor so that I can I could continue functioning. So it's it's amazing kind of the um, messages that our bodies give sometimes mm-hmm. um, when it comes to um, supporting us in cultivating that resilience. And sometimes the messages come in like those little kind of whispers mm-hmm. and then we don't hear them <laughs> until they get really, really loud. And literally for me, tip us over on the floor. <laughs> right. Cause you have to, you have to slow down to be able to hear those messages. And we're running at a hundred miles per hour. And if you're not running at a million miles per hour, then you're not doing enough. And so then you're not worthy, which, you know, I remember in in college, post-college, I'm so busy. I'm so busy. We were busy, like a badge of honor. And so if you had time management skills and you weren't that busy, then it was, what am I doing wrong? Um, And so we're not listening to these messages because we're terrified of slowing down. Yes, absolutely. And for a lot of women that levels up in motherhood, you know, so that they're not just managing their own schedules and responsibilities, but the schedules of their children as well. And so, you know, out to hockey practices and hockey games and like all of these things that we keep going with, that we keep busy with. And I think that that's one of the, I want to say, Uh, supportive benefits of the past year is that globally we've been forced to slow down Mm -hmm. and so those quieter messages we've been able to hear better and some of them have gotten even louder in that kind of slow down and quiet time. Yes, I have heard that come up over and over and over again of we've been forced to slow down And I think some people did better with that than others. Absolutely. Absolutely. (laughs) I I always wonder how I would have handled the pandemic if I had not been in therapy beforehand, uh, because I had done a lot of inner work before the pandemic came and do not take that for granted at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, for me too, what it's, um, really asked me to do is fully step into these lessons from nature and from the trees, right? Because it was a huge shift, a huge change. And resilience is literally at its simplest, how we adapt to the events of our life. And so this big shift, this big change has asked of me and of lots of people to like, find your roots, like get connected to the earth, find some ways of um, cultivating the capacity and the regulation of your nervous system so that you can more easily flex 
to what life is bringing to have some way of, even though maybe we haven't been able to physically connect historically as we have, you know, get creative in how we're cultivating community and connection and, and being okay around asking for help and support when it's needed, when, you know, because we're not meant to do it ourselves. I think that's one of the, the, the biggest struggles that I see in a lot of the moms that I work with and that I've experienced myself right. is that it's been so ingrained in us that we have to be independent. We have to do it all ourselves, but our bodies, our nervous systems were built to exist in and mother within communities. Mm-hmm. And when we don't have that, it just, it, triggers that stress response and keeps us in that go, 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 go until, until we can't anymore. Right. Right. And when you ask for help, when you're open to help, even it, it comes to you, it appears and all of a sudden it's, Oh, okay. Like I can ask this person to help her and it makes life so much easier. And you're absolutely right. We were never meant to do this all by ourselves. It's really impossible when you think about it. Yeah. 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 And even, you know, even when I'm having conversations around support with the women I'm working with and I say, you know, what's your support system? Like, oh, it's great. I have a fantastic supportive partner. And yes, that is great too. And we're also meant to parent in a group of people, even (laughs) when we have fantastically supportive partners two people can't do it themselves. You know, one person can't do it themselves and two people can't do it themselves. It's meant to be a, a community of people. Mm -hmm. Especially right now, which I think is so hard given the pandemic of the separation and yeah, not having, it's really called, it's really called, like I say, for us to get creative around what community and what support looks like. Um, you know, there was a mom that I was talking with not too long ago, just completely exhausted. Um, and a big part of it was that within this past year, she's been home with her two young children, one of them Mm -hmm. very high needs and without the extra support that she needs. So her historically, her parents would come over and, you know, help tidy the house or take the boys for, to the park for a couple of hours so that she could get some rest or, or tidy up herself. Um, and that just wasn't there. And she said, you know, Sarah, to top it all off, when they do go to daycare now, the daycares aren't making food for them. And I've got to make their lunches and pack their lunches and send them along. And it's just so much. And for me to say to her, it's okay to ask for help. And even though maybe you can't see your parents right together in person, what would it be like to ask for their support in another way? Like, could they make and pack the boys lunches for a week and drop that off on the porch with like Mm. a little, a sweet little note to the boys on like Sunday evening so that everybody has something to look forward to, but then you also get that bit of extra help with the things that you're really struggling with. And just like that, like, wow, I could do that. And that might work, (laughs) you know, because there's just, there's so much built in when it comes to, I want to say cultural programming around, you're not allowed to ask for help. 
And so it kind of, even, even when that help is available to us, easily available to us and people are willing to do it, there's blinders on around the how or just actually taking the steps to do it. Yeah, and as you were speak, um, sharing all of that, like there's so much shame um, around like having a nanny or a babysitter picking the kids up from school. And, and I remember that from when I was a kid yeah. of hearing that message mm-hmm. um, of your parents work full time and, and there's this element of shaming. And if I pick that up when I was in like middle school or maybe even younger, oh my God. And I don't have children. So I could only imagine what that would be like when I'm actually mm-hmm. a parent. Yeah. We shame each other. Yeah. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And yeah. And it, that, that piece around asking for help. And, you know, if you, if your decision, if your heart says I'm meant to stay home and raise these kids, it's not enough to just be a mom. If your heart is saying, I have this passion, I want to work outside the home. It's not enough to just be a, an employee or a business person or an entrepreneur or whatever it is, we are told that we have to do it all. And I say told, but like in very quiet, subversive ways that we have to do it all. Like I have to be this perfect employee slash business person slash entrepreneur and this perfect mom and partner and, um, home keeper of the home. you know, and I'm not allowed to ask for help and get, you know, help with cleaning or like you say, help with a nanny or, you know, a babysitter a few hours a week or whatever it is. I have to do all the things. Yep. I've seen that (laughs) so much. And no wonder you're stressed out when you're trying to have a full-time career and take care of your children. And then you feel stressed and then you feel terrible for feeling stressed and that you're a bad mom. And I see the bad mom narrative come up over and over and over again. I'm a bad mom. I'm a bad mom. Well, like, what if you're actually an amazing mom by showing your children that it's okay to ask for help? Yes. Yeah. And it's, yeah. I'm, I'm an amazing mom by investing in myself mm-hmm. and investing in what I need. Mm-hmm. And you're giving your kids that same permission to, to take care of themselves. And, and something that I've seen um, with moms that are, are in our coaching program is that as they take care of themselves, their children uh, transform too. It, it is, it affects the entire family. And I have seen that I've witnessed that multiple times. And that is so incredible because mm-hmm. they feel our energy and they're yeah. mirroring our energy. Mm-hmm. And, and I, what I've heard is like children will hit every single trigger. <laughs> oh yes. Oh yes, they will. They, they will show us, here's the thing you need to work on next or, <laughs> You know, um, and absolutely, they are so sensitive. Um, That's another thing that I've really noticed uh, in supporting families through the time of the pandemic is that a lot of families have the, the kids have been struggling with their behavior and or their sleep. And when we go through like all of the possibilities, all of the potential contributors to those things, 
so much of what it's come down to in the past year is that for parents, their stress levels have been through the roof and they haven't had the tools that they need to find that calm. And so because they're vibrating up high, their kids are vibrating up high and it makes yeah. it really difficult for them to settle to sleep or to sleep through the night. And, you know, um, those, those types of things, kids definitely, um, sense, even if on the outside, we're very calm, mm -hmm. they, they sense that, that, um, inner, uh, expression of what our nervous system is experiencing. Yeah, there's two different things that are coming up for me. The first one was one thing that I learned from the pandemic was how important it is for me to have a social life. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, it's a social life, right? Like <laughs> that's an extra thing. And, and now I know that's a necessity. Yes. It's because if I am not like having, if I don't have pleasure, yeah. then I burn out. And mm -hmm. I learned that lesson the hard way during this pandemic, especially in the winter when I was kind of locked in and I learned a lot about my energy and what I need and what fills me up. So that was one piece. The second piece is, is children are so incredible to watch because they are so intuitive. And, um, just through babysitting, what I've seen is the kids are, they're talking to me about the universe and their crystals and rocks, and they're learning about earth science and geology and school. And it's part of the curriculum. But then when you're adult and you're learning about crystals and rocks, it's like this woo woo thing. <laughs> um, and, and I forget that, oh, we learned about energy when we were, were little. And now it's, oh, if you're into energy, then you're like witchy. <laughs> right? But, yes. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's amazing how, like you say, how kids are so open to that. And um, yeah, and we we've just over over our years of growing into adulthood, the openness has just gradually shifted. And that's mm -hmm. what I mean, that's what's made our culture so effective. It's you know, we've got to focus on the real things and on the, you know, things we can see, not necessarily things that we can feel, things that we can figure out as opposed to things we can feel out and understand in our bodies. Um, yes. Yeah. And I, so Sarah, when we previously spoke, we talked about the right brain and the left brain, and I'm going to yeah. butcher this up, but one side of the brain is very logical. And the other side of the brain focuses more on emotions and intuition mm -hmm. and the body. Mm -hmm. And we only use one side of our brain. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So it's the left brain. That's like the analytical, um, linear process. And so when the left brain receives information, it categorizes it. Have I seen this before? Where can I put it? And, you know, um, mm -hmm. that kind of very linear progression, the right brain is like you say, the more sort of creative, intuitive, um, there's less structure to it. Um, and so much of what we've received with regards to, um, teaching, training, growth and development over our lifetimes has really nourished that logical linear left brain. And that was something I remember when we were chatting about this, that that was something that uh, I had really connected with when I was pregnant with my son, because I was learning 
all of the things, you know, how can I have the most natural birth possible? What's going to support me in being successful with breastfeeding? What's going to support me in my, you know, my postpartum health and, you know, feeding all of that logical left side of my brain. And I just, I never felt satisfied with what I was learning. Like things still felt like it was missing. And it brought me back to watching a TED talk from Jill Bolte Taylor. She's a neuroscientist who essentially witnessed her own stroke. And her TED talk is talking about her experience with this stroke. And she was the one in that TED talk who was talking about the difference between the left brain and the right brain. And I realized in that moment, all of the preparation I was doing for labor and birth and postpartum was all feeding my left brain, that logical, linear, information-focused piece. And pregnancy, birth, um, postpartum, breastfeeding, a whole lot of mothering is all, all about intuition. It's that right brain. There's not a whole lot we can predict when it comes to these types of life processes and transitions. And when we can't predict it with our left brain, there's that opportunity to really nourish that intuitive, creative right brain so that we're feeling resourced and calm as we're moving through those more uncertain processes. Right. Yeah, it's really about being able to use both And like, I've been seeing that a lot of like wanting the structure and the logic, and then also wanting room for the flexibility and the flow. And, you know, when we're too focused on logic and structure, then it it doesn't work. And we're too focused on flow, (laughs) then it's all over the place. And, and you really need both and you find that balance. And a lot of it is just finding that place from your body of, okay, like this feels good. Um, or are we being like too detail oriented and too obsessed with the little, like the structures and the numbers? Um, is there room for flexibility? So it really is an art to kind of figuring out what, what the right balance is. Yeah, absolutely. And as menstruating humans, Mm -hmm. we have a natural cycle that supports that understanding. You know, there's parts in a menstrual cycle when, Um, there's more ease around the logic and the figuring it out and being out in the world and putting our energy out. And there's parts of the menstrual cycle that are more about coming inwards and resting and really connecting with intuition and inner wisdom. Um, And so there are these, it's, it's another way, right, that nature has sort of provided this to us. And for other folks who aren't menstruating, there's the moon cycle, the similar energies with the moon cycles in that there are times in the moon phases when there's more ease around being out in the world and interacting and connecting with people and using our logical planning and, you know, structural parts of our brain. And then there's times in the moon cycle when we're asked to draw inwards and, you know, connect with that intuition and that inner wisdom. So we also see it in the seasons, right? For for those of us who live in places where we really see those four different seasons, we can see that too. Coming out of winter, I mean, winter is like the ultimate like hibernation inward, stay quiet, you know, rest, Mm -hmm. connect with intuition season. 
Oh yeah. And I am personally experiencing right now, the most dramatic shift from winter to spring. My energy levels are just like whole new planet, like world. (laughs) They're a whole new vibration right now. And it's, it's really wild. And, and I'm aware of it too. And I did a previous episode actually on the power of your period and your menstrual cycle. Mm -hmm. Um, and we talked about how like, we're told we're crazy. Oh, you're overreacting. Your emotions are out of control and you're not crazy. You're just cyclical and we're designed, you know, for the seasons and to be cyclical and our energies aren't at the same place throughout the whole month. Um, and also, you know, looking at the moon cycles and nature. And I know when it's sunny out, <laughs> I'm so much more excited than when it's raining and gross and I'm tired. And, and mm-hmm. as an empath also, I think I, it hits me even deeper. Yeah. So it's really, you know, looking at my body going inward, but that's not how our world is our structures are designed. That's how the universe operates, but the patriarchal structures is nine to five, nine to five. And it's really like eight to seven. Let's be real here. Um, and it's the same thing every day and you have to produce the same amount. And then we had the pandemic come on top of that and we're having the same expectations or more expectations. And a lot of companies had layoffs And then we're still demanding the same amount of production from the people that were there. And no wonder we have an issue with burnout and fatigue. Right. Yeah, exactly that. Exactly that. Our, our culture does it focus, it um, functions on that linear timeframe. Like you say, the nine to five or like the eight to seven Monday to Friday, Mm -hmm. January to December, it's always linear focused, but then Mm -hmm. nature shows us the cycles. And yes. so it's, I found it's really hard for, for women and for mothers as well, because those cycles are really accentuated in that transition to motherhood. Um, in that I, I see it most in the immediate postpartum. So the first three to six months postpartum, a woman's energy is very drawn inwards. She like her body is saying, rest, you just created a human. Mm-hmm. And now you're nourishing that human on the outside of yourself, rest, and you're meant to be taken care of by those around you. But our culture says, get up, keep mm-hmm. going, get back to your pre-pregnancy weight, you should be looking your pre-pregnancy body, you know, like all of these expectations that we see um, as well. So where the the biggest struggle I feel like is that for women, and especially as you say, for empathic women who have that higher level of sort of sensitivity to the energies around them, their bodies, their sensing is saying, I need this. And the world around them is saying, but you should be doing this. Mm-hmm. And so even when we're listening and getting the rest we need and going inward when we need to. There's still that um, voice in our heads saying, but you should be doing, you should keep going. You're not a good mom unless you, you're not a good partner unless you, you're not a good woman unless you. And it's such a struggle. And oftentimes it gets turned inwards on ourselves as opposed to like, because we're not taught to see that my culture is saying this and my body is saying this and it's okay for me to choose my body. Right. 
you know, we end up kind of internalizing those shoulds of like, oh, I just really need to rest, but I have to, I, I really should be, um, you know, and then in comes the guilt and the shame and right. yeah. And, and for a lot of women, it's not safe for them to choose their bodies, you know, because mm. you need money, you need your job. And so we're forced into this cycle, which is just part of the reason that I am so grateful and privileged to be able to be starting my own business because I can mm. listen to my body and I can build from a feminine model. Mm. And um, I love working with other female entrepreneurs and just seeing other other entrepreneurs who are building their businesses from this intuitive um, feminine mm -hmm. approach, because I know yeah. that as we continue to grow, we are going to hire. And yes. I know for a fact that when I hire, I am going to take all of this into account and I'm going to build that into the business so that it is safe for a woman to have like an adequate amount of maternity leave, to have access to healthcare, to yes. be able to, you know, ha find that time for pleasure, to be paid appropriately, yes. um, to support her, to be able to ask for help and to be able to invest in herself. And so that is what just gives me so much hope. And I'm seeing more and more women say no to what isn't working and to be able to say, and to step into that true calling and where their roots are, which we started out talking yeah. about the roots and be able yeah. to, okay, I'm going to make this happen. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I love, I love how you're describing that ripple effect of, you know, um, we're privileged in a place uh, and time of, of where we are and who we are in being able to create the businesses that we envision that are much more aligned with these feminine cycles. And we have the opportunity as we grow to allow that to ripple and mm -hmm. impact others who don't have the level of privilege that we do in getting started with these kinds of things. And right. it, it's, it's, ma it's magical the way that those shifts can, can happen. And um, oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was, my um, motto for 2021 was rise up and ripple out. Mm -hmm. And what I have found is that I get extremely triggered by people that are saying really harmful things and mm -hmm. are causing a lot of divide. And I would get triggered by that. And then I would want to try to help people see what wasn't working and what is working. And then I would just burn out. And what I found is that instead of getting triggered by people who are, are saying things that feel really problematic for me to just focus on myself and mm -hmm. to keep building and growing and to rise up. And mm -hmm. as I continue to rise up and grow, what happens is you ripple out and you impact everybody around us. And then I had this whole uh, metaphor and of the sun and the moon. Mm -hmm. and how this like the sun and the moon they're rising and they get brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter and they keep rippling out and mm -hmm. this is how you create change because yes. you're creating something new and our mentor dr valerie says it's the i'll have what she's having effect <laughs> exactly so people exactly. see you they see you shining so bright and they're oh what mm -hmm. is she doing yeah and then they start to take note and mm -hmm. then this is how transformation and healing occurs absolutely
Absolutely. And how I see that unfolding in the area of work that I am in is that when we shift from focusing so much on the infant to like to caring for the infant, to shift to caring for the mother. So if we focused as a culture on caring for and tending to mothers so that they could have the resources to tend to and care for their families, Mm -hmm. that creates healthy families and healthy families create healthy communities and healthy communities take care of the planet. Amazing. So, yeah. I feel like we need to exhale on that. Right? (laughs) (laughs) So powerful. Yeah. Okay. That feels like a really great place to wrap up. So... Yeah. So Sarah, I would love for you to just, you know, if there's anything else that's coming up, any final words of wisdom that you want to share, um, this is your time. And then how can people stay in touch with you and learn more about your work? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I feel like we've covered a lot of ground today, so I don't know if I have any additional words to share with you. Um, But when it comes to connecting with me and what I'm doing in the world, um, website is sarahardywalsh.com on Instagram and Facebook at Sarah Hardy Walsh. And I have a beautiful growing community of moms on Facebook, the well-rooted mama community. Um, And um, so we're, we've been growing there um, just to really focus on cultivating some of that community and support, um, but also having some connection with good quality information. So when questions come up, my primary goal there is to make sure families are connecting with, you know, with good Um, information and uh, the supports that they need, whether it be locally in their communities or or with practitioners and, and programs online. Amazing. So I will post all the links with your contact information and the Facebook community uh, in the show notes on anchor. And then I will also promote this in, in my private Facebook group, which is called embodied revolution for anybody who is listening and is not in that group, make sure you get over there. Um, and on Instagram at she illuminates the world is the podcast page. So uh, you have so many resources and ways to stay connected. Um, you can also private message either one of us Absolutely, and we are here to help. And to spread this magic to as many, as many mothers as, as we can and, and mothers to be and women, and I am not a mother, uh, (laughs) but this information is so valuable, no matter where you are at in your life right now. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. So thank you all for listening and we will see you next time. (laughs) 